0: welcome to luna the podcast my name is carolina salazar also known as the carolina lifestyle on tiktok and instagram my goal with this podcast is to demystify modern spirituality talk about all things holistic health and wellness and to also empower you to show up as your best and highest self thank you so much for being here i look forward to seeing you in the show Hi everyone, welcome back to Luna the Podcast. I hope you guys are doing amazing. I hope your days are off to a good start, your weeks are off to a good start, and I hope you've been taking care of yourself, of your mind, and that you've been little by little learning to speak more kindly to yourself, to show up more for yourself, and to look at yourself with more compassionate eyes. I think, you know, as we evolve throughout our journeys and as we get more into self-improvement and personal growth we learn a lot and a lot of the times we still revert to some old patterns right and we might kind of revert to some old ways of being and then shame or guilt ourselves oh how like how did you do that why did you do that you've come so far like why are you self-sabotaging and then you're not ultimately being your higher self when you're doing that and I've definitely been there I go through it as well and I think it's really important that we remember that the most important thing is just to be aware and to own up to how you're showing up but at the same time use that as an opportunity to learn again and show up again instead of just beating yourself up about it also I know I didn't upload a solo episode last week I have been uploading guest episodes on Mondays and then solo episodes on Thursdays, and I loved doing that. And I still think it was just so powerful to do that. And the truth is that I've been feeling a little bit burnt out, so I've been making a lot of changes in my work life and just like my work life balance recently. And one of the things that I realized was that as much as I love doing two episodes a week, right now, what's working best for me and what will provide me with a little bit more balance will be going back to one episode a week. And I have lots of amazing guest episodes that I've recorded recently. I have been talking to some of the most amazing people. So I'm just really excited for you guys to get a list for you guys to tune into those conversations and for you to learn from all the amazing people that I've been meeting and talking to. And I will also be making a little poll on Instagram just to get your take on episodes. If you'd like for me to just do mostly guest episodes at the moment or if you also want me to sprinkle in some of the solo casts because I do love chatting with you guys, so make sure to check out Luna the Podcast on Instagram. I'll be making a poll on the day that this episode goes live to just hear from you guys and get your take on that. And this is something I want to be like a mutual co-creation. So definitely let me know. I love you guys so much. And I've been having so much fun showing up for you all in the last almost year and a half that the podcast has been in existence. And transitioning to the guest episode, we are in for a really amazing conversation today. I got to meet Lydia Piccoli. Lydia is the founder of ReSelf, which is an independent studio that empowers conscious living as a norm. And it's really cool. It's essentially a platform online that you can access and they have workshops, they have monthly meetings, they have courses and guides and It's just really, really awesome. She is also a Reiki healer. She's a yoga and meditation instructor, an artist, and a philosopher. And it was just really cool meeting her. We recorded over Zoom. And as we were recording, she was sitting outside in her backyard with all this beautiful nature behind her, like the Virgo queen that she is. And it was amazing. And I'm sure you guys are going to take away lots of value from her. We talked about the intersection of philosophy and spirituality, which was really eye-opening for me. We also talked about just how knowing yourself is so important in the journey towards wisdom. We also chat about just creating your own beliefs and figuring out what resonates with you on the journey to spirituality. And we also chat a little bit about shadow work, navigating emotional experiences like anger and following your intuition. So I think the episode was a gem. I'm sure you're going to love it. And halfway through the episode, I'll also have a little special announcement, so make sure to stay tuned for that. And with that said, let's dive in. I hope you love it. I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today. Welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you. I actually didn't tell you this, but Luna is such a synchronistic, like, blessing of a name. My best friend's sister's dog is named Luna. And it's like, you know, it was a very significant time in, you know, both of their lives when that dog came into their life. So it's just like. Oh, that's so cute. You.
0: Such a synchronicity. That's adorable.
1: Yeah, I love it.
0: And so the question I always ask any podcast guests is what is your sun moon and rising in astrology if you know it
1: okay I do <laughs> people ask me this all the time I'm a Virgo sun. I knew it I had
0: a feeling you were a Virgo you give me <laughs> such Virgo energy
1: the nature all around me says it
0: so before we get into your journey
1: could you share a
0: little bit about Reself and what mm-hmm. it is and what you do
1: mm-hmm. okay okay Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Reself is a digital studio for conscious living. Our mission is to empower conscious living as the norm. We offer different experiences to fuel your conscious living through the necessary wisdom and practices that we guide users and members to integrate into your authentic way of being, which is so important.
0: I'm sure the inspiration for Reself came from your journey. So let's dive into your journey a little bit. Could you share the moment that you came into contact with spirituality and kind of what evolved from there?
1: Yeah, totally, totally. So it started back when I was 12 and I learned about Buddhism, like haphazardly in a world exploration history class. Just like a few paragraphs, you know, in this huge textbook. And that was it for me. I was raised in the Roman Catholic Church. And for me, that never aligned. And when I was introduced to the philosophy of Buddhism, I something inside of me was like, yes, this. So I took every opportunity in school and out of school to learn that philosophy and begin to integrate those practices and study from people who were practicing. And yeah, it kind of just evolved from there. I'm a super open person. So Mm -hmm. all of the other spiritual ideas and everything, just, you know, the more that I was exposed to them and learned about them, you know, I'm, was just really curious. And my whole thing with spirituality, whether for myself or just in general, I think that a great, rule of thumb is make it your own. Once I was introduced to Buddhism and was really pursuing that as a study, and it was making it my own, you know, especially because it's not part of Western culture, American culture, in the most respectful and revered way. It's learning from what the wealth of knowledge and cultural diversity has to teach us, and then making it so that it fits with our our world view and perspective. And yeah, I think that so many other pieces come into that, whether it's religion and having your own relationship with God or higher power. I was just reading a quote from Carl Jung in the Red Book. For those of you who aren't familiar, he's an incredible psychoanalyst and psychologist, and really great resource to dive into. He was talking about how no one else will ever have your relationship with God, and I think that that's so potent when it comes to spirituality, and that 's where I think truth lies in 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 that relationship for me that that's my that 's my experience and I think that that's where you we get to avoid dogma that personalization was so important to me and, and whether it 's astrology whether it's um reiki whether it's what else everything else under the sun and spirituality it's yeah I was learning all that stuff and it was like what sticks with me what resonates with me how am I gonna make that my own
0: yeah for sure and on this week that we're recording the episode that's going live which is a solo episode is me kind of like telling my own spiritual journey and I know it's it's so intricate because I when I was even recording that episode, I thought I would be able to keep it under like 30 minutes. It ended up being an almost hour long episode because when you first come into contact with that like piece of information that sparks your interest or like really resonates with you, it really just like takes you down. Many different little rabbit holes and different pieces of information and books and like inspiring teachers and mentors will come into your life at the right time and leading you down this unique path Mm -hmm. to connect, like you said, with God, with with higher power, with yourself, with your higher self. And so for you, it was learning about Buddhism and then how did that evolve Mm. from being 12 to now being 24? (laughs) Like Um, like, you don't have to go through the details. But what the general, were other marking moments for you? Okay.
1: Yoga. I started a yoga practice when I was 14. That was really pivotal. And then also studying and becoming a yoga instructor was, I think, a key moment in that integration. And again, like learning. What else? Let's see. Astrology for sure. You know, human design, archetypes.
0: What's your human design?
1: I'm a manifesting generator.
0: What's your, like this, the other part, like the way you respond to the world?
1: Mm. Um,
0: Are you sacral or emotional?
1: Sacral, I think. Yes. Yeah. I'm
0: a, I'm an emotional generator. So, so solar plexus. It, yeah. Yeah. I, I am the same way. I love these different ways of learning about ourselves. Like whether it's astrology or human design or Enneagrams or Mm -hmm. like um, Myers-Briggs, that stuff. I just find that it really leads to a lot of self-awareness and it also helps a lot with accepting other people and the people in your life. So they've been a big part of my journey. also, definitely.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, exactly what you just said. It's like when we can understand, you know, these sort of Patterns in difference. First, starting with ourselves. I mean, Aristotle said, and this is giving away the psychology card <laughs> or the philosophy card. Aristotle said, knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. Like, truly, we have to first know ourselves. And through that self knowledge and that deep relationship with self, the deeper we can know each other and respect each other's differences and appreciate each other's differences. And I think all of these modalities are just that they're modalities and they allow us to appreciate that. And also like know a little bit better how to interact and celebrate that difference.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think it's interesting that you're a philosophy major in undergrad, because when I took my one and only philosophy class in, I think it was my senior year, I felt like so much of it was trying to disprove the existence of a God or the existence of a higher power. Like there was a, a phase in my class that we learned about all these different philosophers that like were trying to justify the existence or the non-existence of God in this very yeah. like quantitative, rational mm-hmm. way. And mm-hmm. I was like, but God just is. Like I was just like spirit or like a higher power of the universe, like it's so much more than something that can be like rationally explained with a sequence of statements. So how did that play out for you?
1: That's a great question. Um, I'm not even going to ask you who you read, but I totally resonate with that. Like that was definitely part of my experience. And, you know, I studied philosophy because, first of all, I mean, I didn't even know when I was learning about Buddhism, like this is a philosophy. I wasn't treating it as a religion. I really regard it first and foremost as a philosophy. And yeah, I was in an ethics class when I was living and studying in Rome. And I just had this epiphany of like, this is what we need, but this is what we need to integrate. We can't just keep talking about it. We actually have to put it into practice. And so that was like why I studied philosophy was because I wanted to learn what resonates with me about what these people who are revered as being wise and having something important and valuable to say, what do they have to say that resonates with me? And especially when you get into this like idea of rationality and logic and proving and disproving a higher power, I think that that's really where I really diverge from the Western philosophy because I think it's I mean, reself is the intersection of diverse philosophies, sciences, and practices. So, in the existence of reself, I think it proves based on how people respond and experience transformation through engaging with reself that it's those intersections that are powerful, so powerful, and we need them. We can't separate these things because they're not separate in our being. Like you said, God, higher power, spirit, source, it just is. I presented at a philosophy conference when I was in undergrad about the intersection between quantum physics and philosophy, specifically uh, Eastern philosophy, Buddhism, and Taoism. And when we look at that intersection, we can see science proving, or at least theoretically proving oneness. It's starting to show. We can't separate them because they exist within us. We are that manifestation of, I like to use the word creation, because I think that is a non-religious, non-spiritual, but also deeply spiritual and religious idea and concept and process. And I love Alan Watts's metaphor he's used in one of his lectures. And I used this when I was presenting on this paper, when you throw an ink bottle at the wall and the ink shatters and it splays all over the place, right? Let's say that that is the big bang. And on the fringes of that are these separate little dots. And that's us. We think we're separate. We think that we have nothing to do with the process because we're so far away from it. But when we step back and look at it, it's all the ink splatter. And it's such a simple yet profound image for that and and I think this is also the personalization I just didn't take what those people are saying because we can regard them as being valid we can regard them as being wise some of their stuff might totally be worthwhile listening to and it absolutely is but if it doesn't resonate don't take it and that was just you know it's not you know bible so to speak to use like culturally colloquial term it's not that You get to decide, is this true for me or not? Exactly.
0: I love so much of what you said. That analogy is so perfect because we all think we're those little splatters at the edges and we're all the little small splatters that are all separate from each other. But we all came from the same thing. Like, and I love the concept of oneness. I love that you mentioned Taoism as well. But Mm -hmm. to answer your point, I think it's super true. And that kind of applies to all of spirituality, Mm -hmm. You can read all different texts and then you will resonate with some of it. Some of it will stick with you. Some of it won't. And that's part of each person's spiritual discovery process and Mm self-growth process. But I guess my class that I took in college was a very Western philosophy focused class. And there's this whole other realm of philosophies, the Eastern philosophies. And, you know, even Buddhism is considered a philosophy, as you were saying. So I think that's really important to also note when it comes to philosophy, because a lot of Mm. us will think of more of the, or at least for me, that was what I learned in my class. So that was what was top of mind for me, but it's not all encompassing by any means. And I think Mm. Taoism itself, right? A lot of the concepts of Taoism, which is about the Tao, which is balance, It's both extremes. There's a yin and there's a yang. There is the positive and the negative and there's eastern there's western all of it is a part of Mm -hmm. understanding
1: right and understanding like that nameless process and you know again using that image of like when we understand the the motion and the continuation of creation using that image the the ink bottle splattering that's for me living from that place and every morning grounding in that because it's not how, you know, we move through the world and in the States and in the Western world, but it, it makes a profound difference. Like that's, you know, that's my spirituality is like grounding in that, that philosophy and perspective and noticing how that changes everything in my day and in, and in the way I live life in the most beautiful way because it allows us to touch the depths of our human experience to get philosophical in the most important way it creates meaning and it creates connection and it allows me to see the trees and myself as one and that's not woo woo that's important like we see then if I can see that then I'll take care of the earth and I'll steward the earth and I'll I'll renew my relationship with nature is understanding myself as nature
0: yes virgo queen
1: Virgo <laughs> Queen.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh no I love that I love everything you're saying and I think the concept of the law of oneness is something that has definitely been important in my own journey as well and I was recently interviewed in a podcast and I was talking about this especially when it comes to success when you mm-hmm. see someone else's success mm-hmm that is also a reflection of one, what's possible for you. And two, how you react to that success is essentially setting the energy for how you will experience other people's reactions to your success in the future. Mm -hmm. Or you're showing to the universe what you feel about that type of success because that's also technically your success because everyone's a human and it's a success for the lives of all humans, one person succeeding.
1: Yes. And like exactly what you said, Knowing that truly, and you know, this is, goes to the to the mission and vision of Reself. Knowing and living that truth is what changes society. If I can look at someone else's success and suffering as my success and suffering, then how I treat them is going to be different. If I can understand that, you know, that these barriers of country of culture—not to say that that diversity is invaluable. It's extremely valuable. And that's, you know, the diversity of nature is where the beauty of nature is. But it's to also understand that we are this one. And that's what empowers peace. I minored in peace studies in college, because again, it's the intersection application of these things is what fuels well being peace and flourishing in society. And that's for me, that's so important. It's knowing that what I do in myself is what I perpetuate in the larger picture. It's all of it, right? It's
0: what you speak and think and believe about yourself as well as what you do and how you act and how you treat other people and Mm -hmm. everyone else. Mm -hmm. It's all the same. Mm -hmm. And this is really reminding me of the book, A New Earth by Eckhart Mm -hmm. Tolle. Have you read it before? Yeah. Yeah, in that book, right? He talks a lot about how this idea of the ego is also that idea of separation is that Mm -hmm. idea of, I want to put myself and everyone else in a box. And by putting everyone in their own little box, we're not not all in the same box. We're all in different boxes. We're all Mm -hmm. separate. And that, and I, this is a concept that really resonated with me from that book is that that's what eventually leads to violence and wars and all this conflict because everyone thinks that they're separate.
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the problem is when I when I say that I can look at you as myself and I can cheer you on, I think that's really hard for us to grasp because again, in the Western culture, we don't have any any context around the ego. And it's actually really funny. Prior to jumping on this call, I was reading for some, you know, additive research for our coming home workshop that's coming out in late summer, early fall. I was reading something from Jung. And it was talking about these two levels of the ego. There's like the primary level, which is, we could say the true self's ego, which is really a tool for our spirit, our soul, our deep self, whatever you want to call it, to work and, you know, be in this world as an individuated self. And there's potency in that. But then there's this second layer, which is the cultural socialized layer of the ego which is then when you get into those murky territories of like how am i picking up the programs and projecting them and and misunderstanding who i really am then you also get into the shadow which is a jungian concept i know that you have uh material on this like that's where then we project all that we don't understand or accept about ourselves onto everyone else it's, it's that self awareness that's so valuable in that and and that Prevents those interpersonal, interrelationship conflicts, and also at the larger picture. Intercultural and I mean just on the global stage, those those conflicts, but it really starts at the individual level, which again that's Risov's whole philosophy. It's about self.
0: Wow. 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 Yes. I love that. And I have to read Carl Jung now because I literally have never read anything that he has written. Like mm-hmm. I think I've absorbed a lot of the concepts he writes about from totally. content that I've consumed, other books that I have read, but it's very interrelated to what I talk about, which is yes. like ego, shadow work, law of oneness, that kind you know of that. stuff. So I definitely have to check that out. But let's dive a little bit into shadow work since you mentioned that. Mm-hmm. I know you also have a shadow work guide on your site, and I would love to hear a little bit about your take on shadow work, mm-hmm. how you've done your own shadow work, and mm-hmm. for anyone listening, any tips you would have on getting started.
1: Okay. Um, yes, we do have that uh, it's part of our recalibrate monthly guide, which is just you know, this idea that I totally think that you get this. It's like we have to continually engage with this material and this content because otherwise, everything it's like a balance, right? What am I consuming that's feeding the flowers, and what am I consuming that's feeding the toxins in in my mind, in my being, in my spirit, perpetuating or not? or diminishing my wholeness. That's a great example of everything that ReSelf stands for, which is, as we were talking about prior to this, ReSelf is the bridge between academia and us, the public, the curious, the the ones who want to know this information and apply it into their lives. And so, you know, Jung being the father of this idea of shadow work and the shadow that is the whole basis of that guide. But it's not like I'm having you read Jung. It's from the source. What does it say and how do we apply it? And it's not to say that there isn't value in in hearing everyone else's experience with it and take on it because there totally is. Different people say different things and it resonates differently for everyone. My shadow work I think it really just revolved and continues to revolve around beginning to fuel the awareness of the ways in which I reject and judge others and understanding how that is a rejection and judgment of myself. Jung's whole concept of dreams is that every person in that dream is us. So if we use that image of of like a predator in our dream, that's us. We're that predator. What is that dream showing us about how we are attacking ourselves or how we are um, jeopardizing our our own flourishing or actualization or authenticity. And there's a lot of interpretation in that, which is why dreams are so important and they're, they're these messengers to us. But the shadow work, I think, is really just this way to engage with ourselves in reflection. Again, it's kind of like astrology, right? It's a structured process that we get to make our own and we bring different things to it every time, right? And that's why I said my continued shadow work because there's always so many different layers that I bring to it, that I come to it. And I think the more that we begin in any context, whether it's, to use Reself as the example, whether it's a workshop, whether it's an issue of Recalibrate, whether it's one of our podcast episodes, the more I engage with it, the more it becomes a part of me. That's how it integrates into my DNA. And so I like this metaphor, and this is how I talk about meditation. Meditation is practicing out of context what we're going to do in our daily way of being. We're going to be aware. We're going to be present. And I'm going to bring that presence and awareness into every experience I have. And so in terms of shadow work, it's like if we have an interaction and something comes up and I judge you, because I'm practicing my shadow work, I know immediately that has nothing to do with you. What is that saying to myself? And either I can (laughs) prevent myself from going down that path or afterwards I can step back and reflect. It's not a one and done thing. It's learning those skills, which again is what Reself is all about. It's learning the skills and tools for self-sufficiency, for that integration. So it's just a way that we move through life and it makes, it makes the difference.
0: someone who feels lonely in your spiritual journey and you've just been looking to find community with like-minded and conscious people i am very excited to announce two things that i'm working on with lydia the first one is called recalibrate which is essentially a monthly virtual and intimate circle with a practice that you do together with other people and the circle meets two times a month on the first wednesday of the month and the third wednesday of the month and the theme for July is going to be on awareness. So for someone who wants to learn more about that, how to become more aware, this is gonna be perfect for you. And the membership is usually $33 a month, though the value that you get is of $110 because it has the monthly circles, you get monthly journal prompts and like a monthly guide. Then you also get access to a private texting community and additional resources. If you're a student, the subscription is eleven dollars a month instead of thirty-three. But Lydia gave me a code for you guys, so if you use the code JOIN US, J O I N U S, you can get the first month for free, and then that way you can try out Recalibrate and see if you like it. You can see how you connect with everyone else in the circle. And then you can decide if you want to continue with the membership. I'm sure you're going to love it and you're going to want to stay in it. But regardless, you can use the code join us in the link that I'll leave in the description to try it out. And also, hint, hint, we're going to be releasing something really special in September together as well, which is going to be a more intimate Carolina Lifestyle and Reself Mindset collab. So if you're interested in that and working with me and with Lydia in a more intimate group setting and throughout a couple of months as well, definitely put your name in the wait list, which I will also leave in the description. So, so excited for you to check out Recalibrate and eventually hear more about the Mindset live group series that we'll be doing in September. If you have any questions, definitely make sure to message me on Instagram and let's get on with the episode now. Yeah, oh my gosh, I love the way you phrase it as a structured process that we get to make our own. I wrote that down. Because, like, I really, really like that. And that's what a lot of these tools are. Like, you were saying, shadow work, or astrology, human design, any of these things. Like, every single time I read anything about my chart Mm -hmm. in astrology. Like, I discover something new about myself. Mm -hmm. Or I notice a different interaction between one of my planets and another. Or I learn something new about being a Taurus. Or I learn something new about anything. And I think with shadow work, it's a continuous process. And what you were saying, too, about figuring out how do I judge other people? Mm -hmm. And ultimately, how is that showing me what I'm judging about myself? Mm
1: -hmm. What
0: do I get triggered by Mm -hmm. in other people? Mm -hmm. What is that showing to me that I haven't accepted,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that I have to process, or that is still a wound that is sensitive in some way?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's being willing to sit in that discomfort. It's not comfortable at all by any means. I mean, to give an example, because I I didn't, you know, really talk personally about it. But, um, you know, I think from my childhood, I have anger. I have any anger revolving around the, take, and I use air quotes, I'll explain why, the taking away of my freedom by other people. There's a lot of anger and resentment in that. But if I can understand that that is drinking poison and expecting the other person to suffer, but I'm the one that's going to suffer from that anger and that resentment. And so looking at the ways in which other people's anger is a continual mirror for me to understand you know the anger i don't like about myself and the rejection of that anger within myself because there's potency in rage there's potency in 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 being angry but it's what we do about that and to loop back to my little air quotes at the end of the day no one can take away my freedom but myself and it's again it's like the poison metaphor my surrendering of my freedom to someone else because of their actions stems from me and and that's not to negate anyone's experience in which they're they're in a situation in which they don't feel empowered and feel controlled because I've been there i was in an abusive relationship in high school which is also part of my own awakening and healing journey i understand what it's like to be in that place in which like all freedom all control is is sort of surrendered or taken away But ultimately, the way out of that was to empower myself and to take back that control and to regain my own freedom. And I think that whether anyone listening has had that own experience, is in that experience in any way, shape, or form, or just culturally speaking, the ways in which we surrender our freedom and authenticity to what should be. And it all stems from that awareness. You know, to use that example, if I can have an awareness of what's actually going on in this moment, in this situation, and I can understand that I have a choice and I can make that choice when I'm ready or now. And that is what's going to make the difference. But I have to have that awareness of the ways in which I reject myself, the ways in which I surrender my authenticity and my, my power and freedom. And it's what I do with that awareness that makes the difference.
0: Wow. (laughs) <laughs> wow, wow, I'm speechless uh yeah no that is that is so true thank you so much for sharing vulnerably and opening up sure. about that because I I think I've shared this before with my listeners as well but growing up I definitely struggled a lot with feelings of anger like yeah. I'm a spicy person I'm fiery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm an Aries rising in astrology like I have a lot of fire in me and I think for women the feeling of anger is also Mm -hmm. something that's very imbued with shame. Mm -hmm. Like getting angry as a woman is very taboo. Mm. Like an angry woman, Mm -hmm. right? But at the same time, like, I think the emotion of anger is an indicator for where you need to set a boundary or what you need to vocalize An opinion about, or what you need to speak your truth about,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like the feeling of anger is a powerful emotion. It's a powerful feeling. Obviously, it's a feeling that there's grays because you don't want to completely like lash out at everyone and then like regret it after. Like there are like lessons that come with navigating the feelings of anger, Mm -hmm. but observing other people's anger a lot of the times is triggering for me as well
1: because I know there's a
0: part of me that can get reactive. And if I'm not meditating, if I'm not being mindful and taking care of my mind and grounding myself and slowing down, I am more easily triggered. So it's also about understanding yourself and how you can navigate those emotions in a healthy way.
1: Yeah. And exactly what you said, it's an indicator. And I love that understanding of feelings as being as being guides and and messages from our bodies about what is and what isn't um serving us in our environment and our relationships in, in how we are acting. Um, and using them as again understanding that we are not our feelings, we are the feeler. And being able to take that pause and step back and ask what is this telling me? And I think that that for me was really where my relationship with my anger changed because like you said from there i can i can stop reacting and i can use that as a powerful way i think you know anger and activism go hand in hand if we come right from the reactive place of anger we lose our stability and our centeredness like you said our groundedness But if I can look to that anger and begin to ask myself, how is this just anger about myself, about how I contributed to a situation, how I reacted, and just taking that radical self-accountability, that's potent medicine.
0: Yes. And I love the word self-accountability as well, because it's about being accountable to you. Another one is self-responsibility, Yep. right? It's what am I responsible for? what am I contributing? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of personal growth is taking a step back out of the victimization mindset mm-hmm. where you're blaming other people and externalizing and projecting and reacting yep. and getting more reflective, getting more inward, getting more accountable and not shaming yourself or guilting yourself, but really working with what is to improve it in a empowering way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We touch on that a lot in the mindset workshop. And I am just reminded of it because of the live groups that we have going on right now for that workshop and the importance that starts in our mindset and accepting exactly what you said, what is, not what should be, not what I wish it was, not what I wish it to be, but starting with what is, And also how that starts with befriending yourself and accepting yourself in entirety. And like, I'm a human, I have anger. That's okay. That's part of being human. You know, it changes the way that we relate to ourselves and to others and and the ability to exercise our our compassion, but also like you said, our responsibility. And then I think that kind of just comes with maturing. Yeah, it's so
0: Exactly. And something you touched on, as well, when you were sharing is about freedom and like kind of trusting your gut or following your own path. So can you dive into that and how that's been intertwined with the creation of reself and how that's just been a part of your journey, like following your intuition?
1: Totally. Oh, that's such a good segue.
0: You know, that kind of stuff is also very tied to our family mm. and, the belief- and society and the beliefs that we've been taught about what we're supposed to do, which is what yes. you were touching on. Yeah. So can you, I guess, elaborate on like that as well?
1: Beautiful. Intuitive. Yes, that's exactly where I was going. So growing up, I was always, I'm the black sheep in my family. I was always banging to the beat of my own drum and really in touch with this idea of authenticity and our ability to do anything that we want in our lives, truly. And I'm so grateful that I held on to that for long enough in my childhood, that it was such a true felt experience. Um, Because naturally, I think, unfortunately, you know, from schooling, from peers, from the education system, from society, that kind of faded. So, but it also didn't fade, right? Because I studied philosophy for myself. And I think that's a great example. One, I didn't even want to go to college. So that was my like rebellion against this path that was put in front of me of you have to do this to get a good job, to live a good life. And, and this innate questioning that I have. And I think a lot of us have internally from those feelings, from those gut emotions, but it's, do I listen to this or not? I happened to go to college and I'm so grateful I did because it was meant to be because I studied philosophy but I chose to study a major that everyone asked me, and what are you going to do with that? What's the outcome there? What's the job? And I was like, I don't care. I'm learning. That's what I'm here to do. I'm learning about myself first and foremost, and then I'm learning something of value to contribute to society. So at the same time, I was, I had an internship at, my dream fashion label. Like if I made a label, it wouldn't have been anything other than what that company was. And I was a marketing intern, never studied marketing, didn't care about business, which also loops into, into reself and following my my gut in a different way. But my ego loved that. And it was a really interesting experience for me where here i was theoretically in in my idea of success and in my idea of a solid career path and everything i thought that i would have wanted for myself living in the city la 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 and i was not happy because i knew that there there was something else that i was supposed to be doing i wanted more meaning and more fulfillment in my job and at the same time i still pursued that as my career like post graduation i Got the idea for Reself after that internship. So this was all like going into senior year, senior year of college, 2019. Got the idea for Reself and was kind of like, I don't know how to do this. This is a great idea. And a lot of people around me validated that, but I had no idea how to do it. So I didn't really take it seriously. And luckily, my friends who were in the business school were like, Let's do some market research. Like, we'll, we're here for this. This is awesome. Lydia, you need to do this. This is like you. But it was kind of like, you know, just playing a business. And I think that that experience also really touches on the innate play that should be in our work, or not even to say should be, but could be. So then, fast forward, I graduated and I pursued my career in fashion. And all of the stars were not aligning, and everything was like, Lydia, you need to do reself. like, you know, so to speak, Source, this is kind of my narrative about it, Source was like, no, that's not going to happen, you know what you need to do, and it's a huge unknown, you've never been there before, it's going to take a lot of growth, but that's what needs to be done, and that's what needs to be given and that's that's your purpose and and in different ways I kind of like had those feelings since I was a child that this is kind of where my purpose lied but I didn't know how to get to it and and all I saw was like this idea of maybe like have that career in fashion and then as a second iteration once you have success you can do this and launch this and that's how that can happen but you know the truth is the future isn't guaranteed and and there's no better time than now. So I had to listen to that and honor that. And it was certainly a rocky road of of the unknown, but if we want a different experience in our life, then we have to do something we've never done before. So looping back to that non-interest in business, studying philosophy and also just the cultural climate right now, like I had no interest in contributing to the ways in which capitalism is oppressive. And through that own journey with launching a for-profit business and, and having to, like you said, what am I telling the universe about this idea of asking for and receiving money for these services that's holding me back? And how is that idea holding me back? And it really was Getting to the truth that business, the private sector, can empower profound societal shifts in ways in which other institutions, government, public, academia, can't shift the needle. And there is a way to embody conscious business and create a new system in which capitalism is social capitalism using that, that philosophy of valuing humans and nature and business equally and how that changes an entire system and and being that change that you want to see in the world instead of just criticizing.
0: Wow. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. Mm. I love the progression that you shared as well, because it is a rocky road when you, and I think the frustration really lies in when you're doing something that your ego loves.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That maybe your parents would say I'm so proud of you, mm-hmm. or maybe that other people would say that is amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's this little inner voice that's like, but you're meant for something more aligned. Mm-hmm. Or like, but there's this other thing like are you going to give it your all or are you going to give it your energy mm-hmm. and actually
1: try it? Yes. Yes. And like you just said, try it, try it, you know, failure. I just was reading this, uh, this idea about failure and I love it. Like it's, it changed my whole perspective about failure and success. There is no such thing as failure because every moment, every opportunity, every failure is learning your way to success. And it is a success because you're doing it Period. You cannot fail if you're trying. The only failure is to not try because that's how. So, I always say I avoided a midlife crisis by choosing this and not going down my my fashion path because even in just an internship, I could not live in the misery of knowing this is not aligned. People always say this like pain, pain is a huge motivator. But at the same time, I think I share it because. I still pursued it. So it was that fear of also, I don't know how to do this. What if it doesn't work? And I think
0: it's interesting too, because it's so opposite. Like a lot of like, maybe the company we're working for wasn't like this, but a lot of the fashion world, and I have a friend that's very passionate about this. A lot Mm -hmm. of it is completely gives zero fucks about the climate or about the world or about the earth. It's Mm -hmm. one of the most- Damaging industries to the planet. Yes. Yes. And definitely in growing my awareness about that, my relationship to consuming and buying clothes and stuff, like now it triggers a lot more guilt for me. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) But I think it's also a part of awareness and eventually shifting behaviors too. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm really glad that you pursued that intuitive calling of yours
1: same same and I love you know that you highlight that and I think you know the guilt is I totally feel that too but the guilt doesn't serve anyone right no it's so it's like shame it's so toxic but it's it's that again emotional guide of like something's not right here so what can I do instead and there's so many alternatives and you know resale is such a great way to consume fashion consume almost yeah. whatever fashion you want without yep contributing to that pollution um and the irony is i when i pursued um a job at that company post graduation i was proposing to them to launch a sustainability initiative um Because like you said, I just, I couldn't contribute to just nothing. And it was super in line with the brand anyway. Um, And I think that COVID did a great job in sort of awakening fashion in terms of the high fashion industry to setting that model and tone for other levels of fashion to follow. We all wear clothing and to understand the ways in which in, in that instance, our choices have an impact and we're voting with our dollar for or against what we believe in. I think that's where the sense of unalignment and and guilt comes from. And it's so it's just that slowness of deciding, but also having the awareness of like for me in COVID, for the first time in my whole life, I wasn't getting dressed the way that yeah. I am every day. And like having that self-expression. And so naturally you know, with this mirror of like, what is important in the world? I was able to understand the ways in which fashion was serving since I was probably like in fifth grade going on when I really had this dichotomy of like, I would say loss of authenticity and desperately clinging and rebelling to hold on to that. Fashion was an armor for me to do that, to say, this is who I am. I don't care if you all dress this way or that way. Like I love fashion. I am nine years old. I read Vogue, like whatever. I'm going to dress for myself. But that was an armor. That was my ego. That was my like ability to create perceptions of myself and, and really having that understanding of what is the messaging that I'm saying or, or the barriers I'm putting up in the ways that I dress? What am I trying to communicate to someone through my, my um, attire and, and also through my pursuit of that entire career? Yeah, What am I trying to say?
0: Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I mentioned the feeling of guilt in the sense that I don't feel guilty all the time, right. but <laughs> because I'm aware of yes. and more educated on the impact of fashion on the climate and on the world, Mm -hmm. pollution etc I am more mindful of my choices when it comes to consuming and I think that I'm naturally not I I don't buy a lot of clothing normally Mm -hmm. but I think that it's helped me make better choices for sure with that said I want to kind of transition us into some rapid fire questions to close out the episode
1: Totally. so I do
0: these with every guest and if you've listened to any episodes or for the people listening who have listened to the guest episodes, they'll know the questions. So the first one I always ask is a fun question is, do you prefer coffee or macho?
1: No, neither. Neither? I used to be super, okay, talk about ego. I used to be super addicted to coffee. Um, once I was living in Rome and drinking espresso daily, I... Was drinking like four shots of coffee a day. That was how I started my day, you know. Post living in Italy, and I would like wore it like a proud label. I, you know, but um, <laughs> yeah, don't do that anymore. Green tea for me, please. Yeah, and- I actually.
0: It's so funny. Yeah, see, like the mirroring because I like I always ask people this question because I freaking love the taste of coffee and I mm-hmm. love the taste of matcha, but. Recently, I had a very sad realization that they don't make me feel very good, like physically. Yeah, I love the taste, sensory, yep. sensory, like the sensory yes. experience for me is awesome. Mm-hmm. But then it really affects my digestion, and I create a habit very easily with drinking it, and then everything else just totally. doesn't feel very it's good. Right now, I'm on a little break with with both, but Beautiful. I do like just like plain green tea
1: yeah Uh, as
0: well or even like earl gray tea Mm -hmm. just like teas in general they just like even though they are caffeinated they don't give me that same feeling which is I think just weird but there's
1: there's more stability in it and it's you know caffeine is addictive and and um it's also delicious but it's also like in moderation right it's not like I won't have it I love I love a glass of Prosecco with like an espresso on the side. And that's beautiful. I'll have that if I go out to dinner or something. But it's like understanding yourself. This was my whole thing. I had to understand the ways in which coffee was fueling my anxiety, making me crash later in the day and just making me not myself. Like when I stopped drinking coffee, I feel like I knew myself better and, and was myself. And maybe that's more mellow, but that's cool too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It is good to be more mellow. That's so true. And then the next question is, do you have a life mantra or a quote that you live by?
1: Um, okay, definitely. This goes back to 10-year-old Lydia. Be the change you wish to see in the world. Mahatma Gandhi.
0: Yes, that's a great one. And then have there been any books that have marked your life or that you would recommend to anyone who's listening, like, three books or even one that they should check out
1: okay i literally have piles of books on the floor that people should check out um three life-changing books let's see if you're a woman listening women who run with the wolves by clarissa pincola estes that is a life-changing book it will help you with everything that we have talked about today and it will bring you back to yourself and to your authenticity and and give you skills that last forever and your daily life so that's definitely one of them she's a Jungian psychologist so there you go oh I maybe that's what you should read oh that's what you should read if you haven't read it
0: yeah I haven't read it I've only I think I've only read the first chapter okay my mom yeah. was reading it a
1: while ago oh my god yes that's it um okay. And then let's see, I want to give like a general one. Okay, here are two. One that's a beautiful story. It's simple, but I love this philosophy and I love books like that. It's called Jonathan Livingston Seagull. It's about a seagull who realizes that all the other seagulls are kind of doing life wrong. It's a great metaphor. You know, they're staying within the confines, but he, you know, decides to break out against what is, you know, believed to be it it's also like really spiritual he starts to like ascend to these different dimensions of existence really cool it's a short read but it's a good one and I think that there's a lot to relate to in it and then I think you know I recommend this book I just recommend this to someone else who's kind of like she's in her 20s feeling lost feeling unfulfilled in her job right now Rilke's letters to a young poet it's timeless wisdom from Rilke he's a poet His letters to someone who wants to be a poet, kind of like this fear, confusion. How do I do this? What do I do? Just like really, I think one of the things that really resonates with me from that book is like, have patience. I'm not going to get the exact quote right, but it's like, learn to love the questions themselves. So just sitting with feeling lost, sitting with what do I want to do with my life? And through just simply having those questions and sitting with that, the answers come, but it's, We have to love and accept what is before what will be can can come to us through intuition and through aligned experiences.
0: Amazing. And those are three very unique books as well. Mm -hmm. So, and they're all different. So I love that. And then if someone did not listen to this entire episode, Mm -hmm. and you just listened to this, what would you want to leave them with?
1: You can do anything in your life you are here for a reason you have your own unique gift to give to the world and to quote Pablo Picasso the purpose of life is to find your gift and give it away so pursue that and that's where I believe fulfillment and meaning lies and contentment
0: that was beautiful (laughs)
1: Thank you so There's much. No rapid fire with me. Sorry.
0: Okay. I, I feel like every time I ask these questions, it ends up leading to like mini tangents. Anyway. <laughs> so, but I feel like I, I like having the consistent same questions that I do with them. Totally. So, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This has been lovely, and I feel like you really shared your healing and empowering essence with anyone who's listening. So, can you just let anyone who's listening know where they can find you and also just what resources they can find on Reself.
1: Mm, Beautiful. Okay. You can find Reself at www.reself.me. Reself Reself has an Instagram, but it's just a landing page. This is my little experiment. I don't believe that Instagram aligns with Conscious Living. I don't personally have social media. And so, yeah. What can people take away from Reself? Start with the podcast. They're free. Great different conversations with guests and mostly solo episodes on different topics. Which, by the way,
0: anyone listening, the podcast is called As It Goes.
1: Yes. Thank you. I would recommend, based on our conversation, maybe dive into our episode on experiencing ourselves as oneness. That is a, a gem of an episode, if I may say so myself. And then, recalibrate if you're looking to like start getting into things but you know you don't want to bite off something too big those are you know sit down one hour kind of engagements there's different topics on presence shadow work as we talked about but carolina has a beautiful shadow work guide anyway yeah and then the workshops currently available is the mindset workshop this will guide you to create the seven essential skills to have a balanced, healthy, authentic mindset and do a lot of what we were talking about today and nurture those skills. And then coming out at the end of summer is our coming home workshop in the soul series, which is a beautiful journey back to your authentic true self and has that spiritual element again of like, what does it look like to understand, in addition to my personal individual expression, to empower and embody that understanding of oneness and interconnection? So, sign up for our newsletter to get notified about all that jazz.
0: Amazing. Yeah. So, just to summarize for you guys, <laughs> you can check out the podcast as it goes. The Recalibrate mm-hmm. things are essentially ebooks with journal prompts and kind of like excerpts that you can read to dive deeper into each of the topics. And then there are the workshops and they're kind of like a mix of audio, like very short little podcasts. Like, I don't know exactly. Like, I think they range from two minutes to like 15 minutes or so. And then there's... Uh, relearn, reflect, redo, and then Mm. your day-to-day prompts. I loved it when I checked it out. And I think anyone listening would definitely benefit from that. So definitely check out Lydia's company and the work that she's putting out into the world. And again, thank you so much, Lydia. I hope that you have an amazing rest of your day. And hopefully you'll be able to come back on the podcast again.
1: Absolutely. And Check out the description because we're going to have a a discount for everyone listening. Amazing.
0: And we'll have everything linked as well.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me and holding this space for for me and for Reself. And I hope that everyone listening got what they needed to get out of this episode.
0: Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Talk to you
1: guys soon. Bye. Bye.